0: Adaptation, resilience, innovation, professionalism, these are all topics that we're talking about in this week's podcast episode. I'm, of course, interviewing Liam Pilkington, who is the CEO of Lang & Simmons and the president of the board of the RAI NSW. We're going to be talking about how you can truly level up through this COVID crisis, how you can deal with it, how you can pivot, and how you can change, and how as an industry we can all come together, we can collaborate so that we can really show our consumers that we're there for them and that we're there as a whole. G'day and welcome to episode 8 of the Build Your Best Life video podcast series. I'm your host Sherry Storer. I'm a hardworking real estate agent and a sales coach. It's my mantra to build your best life and I have been doing exactly this. And throughout this podcast series, you'll learn how you can grow your GCI, your revenue and your profit by implementing tried and tested systems and structures. You'll also learn how you can grow and build your own team, EBU and agencies and how you can truly harness the power of your real estate career to provide you with the wealth and the freedom that you've always dreamt of. So if this is the life that you want to lead, be sure that you subscribe to this podcast series so you get notified every single Tuesday when the episodes go live. In addition to working with a number of agents and agencies right across Australasia, I also have my foundational platform, the Build Your Best Life Coaching Program. Now, this has a series of webinars and coaching forums, but it also comes with an annual or quarterly success manual. Now, this works as a diary, as a workbook, but it also holds you accountable. There are quarterly, monthly, weekly, and daily systems and structures. And as part of this platform and this series, I'm going to be giving away a freebie to celebrate. Now, this particular freebie essentially is an Excel spreadsheet that's gonna help hold yourself accountable and keep you on track. Essentially, once you determine how much GCI you want to write, this particular program or platform or freebie is going to give you how many properties you need to list how many properties you need to sell and how many listing presentations you need to do. And it's going to personalize it and calculate it specifically just for you. So if you want this freebie, head to sherrystorecom forward slash level up to download and you can start goal setting today. And I must shout out our amazing sponsor, ListReady, who has totally made my podcast dreams come true by sponsoring this series. It is the perfect time that you get to hear about them because right now we need VPA financing for all of our sellers, but also for our businesses too. If you haven't heard about them as yet, go and check out their website, list-ready.com.au. Quite simply, they are the leading VPA finance option here in Australia. But look, let's get on to today's episode. And I'm super pumped to introduce Liam Pilkington. Now, she is one of the industry's most respected thought leaders and sought after commentators. She is the CEO of Lang Simmons. She is the president of the board of the REI NSW. And in fact, she's one of the only female managing directors that we see right throughout franchising here in Australia, and most certainly the only one in New South Wales. Now, she has been a finalist in many, many categories, but she has been the winner of the REB Thought Leader of the Year. And last year she was crowned as the most influential woman in real estate at the areas thanks to the realestate.com awards so please welcome to the show Leanne Pilkington. So Leanne welcome to the build your best life podcast. Thanks so much for having me
1: it's great to see you.
0: (laughs) Now I've been a guest on your podcast now you are a guest on mine so snap. Exciting. Um, (laughs) And for those people who haven't heard of your podcast this is your opportunity to give it a plug so go
1: oh thank you very much it's called courageous conversations and it's about the conversations that you have that are not really very comfortable um but they're the ones that you have to have to take yourself to the next level to get to the next stage of whatever it is personally or uh, or professionally
0: yeah it's a great it's a great podcast i love being a part of it but i actually love listening to all the episodes and you've got so many different people from internally in the industry out you know, externally plus men and women, it's its a great initiative. But we've actually known each other for quite a number of years now and we originally met, I don't know if you remember, when I was engaged to come and do a keynote for Lang and Simmons in Noosa. Do you remember? Yes, I do remember
1: that. Yeah, I don't even know how I found you, but um, somebody, somebody recommended. Um, I was looking for someone to talk about social media. Yeah. Um, an agent specifically to talk about social media. And, um, and somebody recommended that I speak to you and how
0: How lucky was that? I know. Very lucky. I think it may have been after I spoke at, at ARIC actually um, around that same sort of period of time, but you know, um, I had, I had a great time. It was certainly one of my first keynotes. So thank you very, thank you very much. But, you know, since, um, since then, obviously I, I've then gone on to, you know, launch my own, um, coaching business and, You know as part of that i decided to make the change to to sort of take my women in real estate business breakfast national and i knew that you were doing a number of other you know initiatives for women in the industry sure and for me what made sense was that we get together we kind of collaborate and try and make it super successful for the betterment of the industry but honestly i didn't really know you very well and I remember picking up the phone and organising a time to come and meet you in your boardroom in Castle Roy Street. Do you remember this? I do, yep. Yep. And I didn't know whether I was going to be thrown out in in 15 minutes because I didn't know what your reaction was going to be. Sure. But... You know, knowing knowing you and the woman that you are, you of course totally embraced me, and you know said, "Look, let's let's get on board, let's do this together." And you have been one of my champions since. So thank you very much.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> I think that um, collab- we just get so much further with collaboration. And anybody who wants everything for themselves. It's just not the way the world works, unfortunately. So I'm really keen to collaborate and I love seeing people like you just go and literally do live your best life and build a new business. And I I just, I'm
0: so proud of everything you've achieved. It's really been
1: a joy to watch.
0: Thank you, darling. Thank you. Thank you so very much. That really makes my heart warm. But, you know, I think that's what really what this episode is actually all about. It's all about collaboration and working together in conjunction with each other, not only for the benefit of our consumers, for our agents, for our industries, but also for ourselves, because there's yeah. great learning that can be taken there.
1: Sure.
0: The other topics that I'm, I'm really keen to cover today are, you know, resilience, adaptation, innovation and professionalism. Yeah. in our industry. But um, but look, I think what's really interesting is that throughout this whole COVID kind of period, we are seeing a number of agents coming together and collaborating in a number of different ways. Have you been seeing this out in the marketplace?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, certainly we're finding that people are a lot more um, willing to talk to each other. And certainly um, all of the updates that I'm sharing with our Lang and Simmons family uh, members I am also sharing with other agents that are in our world, whether they're Lang & Simmons or no matter what brand they are. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've been doing videos to, um, for my, and my property managers to share with their tenants, for example, saying, mm-hmm. you do have an obligation to pay rent. Um, And also because you know it's coming from a third party, and I am you know um, a respected industry figure these days. Um, So happy to share anything that we have with people. Um, And I've been jumping onto various websites and various Facebook pages and all of that stuff, just sharing um, the information that I have because we're all we are all in it together, and we're all stronger (laughs) together, right?
0: absolutely and I think that has been a really powerful message coming out of this yeah and you know I think when I, I have a look and I've been talking to a number of different agents who like you have sort of been getting together and having conversations and I was speaking to Nick Borden last week from um, from elders in, in mm-hmm. Lennox and, and Bangalore, and he was saying he has been doing exactly that he's been sharing with the other agencies in his marketplace what to do in terms of how they're handling managing of, of their team and their staff yeah. you know sales and open homes and also you know property management and as you talking about dealing with, you know, rental arrears and those mm-hmm. those sorts of things. But, you know, it's not just New South Wales that we're seeing this. It's also right across the country and Australasia. And, you know, another one of my agents, Talia Gabrielli, who is based in South Australia, she's in Mount Gambia. And she was saying, uh, which I was actually really impressed about, is their whole town kind of got together, all the agencies. And prior to the government sort of putting a cease and, and permitting open homes, they actually decided to stop it a week earlier. Yeah, right. And What I loved about this is the fact that all of the agencies actually honored it.
1: (laughs) And it wasn't
0: like one just decided, no, no, I'm gonna go off on my on my own. But you know, there are those two sort of thoughts, school of thoughts in the industry. There is that kind of old school and there is, you know, the new guard. What benefit do you think it it has to really, you know, come together and collaborate?
1: There are heaps of benefits. Um, you know, firstly, the way we're seen in the eyes of the consumer, we have the ability to change that um, in a positive way, but we all do need to do the right thing. And we all do need to, to behave in not just to the letter of the law, but in the spirit of what they're trying to achieve. know, for example, I had a phone call earlier today, someone saying, oh, there's an agent in my area opening... Um, um, advertising that they've got private inspections within the time frame of 10, between 10 and 11 on Saturday, is that allowed? And I'm like, well, there's nothing that says it's not allowed, but it's not in the spirit of what yeah. the government is trying to achieve. And if you have people turning up late or early, potentially you'll have a queue outside, that's not a good look. And if we do things, if we push the envelope to try and find ways around the rules, it, we run the risk of getting shut down. Um, all together. And so we have to work together to work in, in the spirit of what the government's trying to achieve. And we can all do that together. It's not about me getting a jump on you. It's about all of us working together.
0: Mm, I love that. And I think that's so incredibly correct. And I think, you know, just talking about COVID, you know, I think a big part of the reason why we shut down in the first place is because we are all like, look how many open, look how many people we're having through opens, look at our option rates, look how many properties we're selling. So it just made sense that the government was, of course, going to take that into their own account. But I think, you know, coming back to this collaboration, you know, for me, there is so much equity in our relationships that we have, whether it be, you know, in between agencies or agents, or even in, in terms of our supply buyers, um, and our consumers, and this can then kind of almost create like a referral economy, which, you know, in essence, gives you equity in, your re- in, in those relationships, right?
1: Oh, absolutely, no doubt. Um, there is plenty of business for everybody. Um, and there's actually plenty, of, um, plenty to be gained by helping somebody else uh, achieve whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. So yeah, I'm all for collaboration.
0: <laughs> love it. So look, I must admit, I do particularly, I really love your real estate story and oh, I love how you got into the, into the industry. So tell us, how did you actually come to work in, in, in real estate? Uh,
1: well, I started working uh, literally answering dad's phone. He, was a, he had three offices in the Hills District in Sydney and um, I was 12 years old and I was his, um, his Sunday girl. Because <laughs> um, I used to play competitive squash. You might not know that about me, but okay. I was an A-grade squash player, and so I used to play squash on a Saturday, um, and uh, work for Dad on a Sunday. So when I finished my HSC, I went up to the Gold Coast for schoolies, like all good people from Sydney do, and um, and I ran out of money and rang Dad. Said, "Can you send me some money?" And he said, "Sure, so long as you um, so long as you come and work for me until you go to uni." And I was planning on becoming a teacher. Um, so I said, sure, yep, I'll do that. And of course, I stayed for eight years. Um, so, yeah. And he um, he used to fire me every Friday. And, and even now, as recently as yesterday, I spoke to dad and he said, you know, Lee, I'm really proud of you. I think firing you every Friday was a good
0: thing. I'm like, hey, good on you, dad. <laughs> credit for making you. I, yeah. I love it. I love it. But you know, because your family was really a real estate family and sure. you know, it was you and your brother and your sister who all worked in the business and big shout out to to Lyndall and to Kent who still yeah. who actually work for Lang and Simmons today, correct?
1: Yeah, Lyndall, um, Lyndall um, and Kent have got the uh, Quakers Hill Schofields um, Lang and Simmons office and I used to work um, in the business with my sister. I never worked with my brother though because he's eight years younger. So by the time he got into real estate, I was um, no longer working for dad, I was out doing other things.
0: <laughs> well, obviously real estate is is in your blood, but I don't know, you told me this story and maybe I've just fantasized it in my mind, but I remember- I don't know, was I drinking? <laughs> possibly, champers on, on board. <laughs> but I remember um, having this conversation around how the fa- how the three of you were the unpaid sort of letterbox droppers. And there was one particular time where you got caught in a, in a storm letterbox dropping.
1: Totally. Yeah, there was a thunderstorm and we hit under a truck, um, which is always very safe, right? You know, I think Kent must have only been about four or five at the time. Um, And so, yeah, there we were all taking shelter under a truck. So thankfully the truck driver didn't come out and uh, and want to drive away. But yeah, letterbox drops, we used to have to do them for Dad all the time.
0: (laughs) And so during your time of working with, with your father, you also became a certified uh, valuer, correct?
1: Yeah, I did. I, I never wanted to be a real estate agent. Um, and I think that was just because I saw all of the, um, the hours and the stress and, and the stuff that you know dad owning his own business or having three offices went through. So I just never wanted to be an agent. So when I started working for him and I'd made the decision not to go to uni, I decided I wanted to study. Um, and so I studied three nights a week. I drove from Castle Hill into the city and that was before the M2 or any of those roads (laughs) Um, so I did that three nights a week uh, for four years and became a um, and became a valuer Mm.
0: and so there really was a you know life just life-changing decision that was made because you know you then sort of dabbled in, in working in recruitment, and you also worked in commercial managing shopping centers, but um, you made the life dis- life sort of changing move to come and work for Lang and, Des- Lang and Simmons. Um, and you, you, you know, this year, I think, is that your silver anniversary? 25 years. 25 years, yeah, yeah it's pre- that's pretty impressive, I have to say. But you didn't really join the company as a big, big swinging dick, and obviously today <sighs> you are the, the oh, CEO. <laughs> in actual fact, you know, you started in a- administration, correct? And yeah, I did. Yeah, and you took a thirty percent pay cut. Yeah, I did. I um,
1: I was a, as you said, I was um, managing a shopping centre, and I was very unhappy um in that role for a number of different reasons, and one, a, an old friend of mine said to me, you know what, Lee, I think you'd be great um, working with me. I could really use, um, I could really use your help, um, but I can't pay you very much, and I'm like, hmm. All right. And I knew of the Lang & Simmons brand uh, because my friend had been there for uh, something like 15 years. So I thought, you know what, it might be a really nice job and I deserve a nice job after the stress I'd been through with three or four years at the shopping centre. I deserved a nice job. So talked talked it over with my husband, Rob, and we decided, yep, indeed, I will, um, I'll I'll take pay cut and I will go. And I was the, I was the I can't remember if I was the admin manager or the marketing manager, which I don't remember which one came first, but that was my role. Um, and then, yeah, that was, you know, that was a really interesting experience in itself because my friend, whilst, um, you know, I absolutely loved um, as a friend, um, as a boss, he was not the best leader I'd, I'd ever had. And And the reality was he would get in at 10, he would read the newspaper until 12 and then we would go to lunch for the rest of the <laughs> afternoon and that's what he would do every day and I'd be like, oh, hold on a minute, what's going on? And so I literally, I just had to make it up as I went, to be mm. frank, and I've been doing that for 25 years now.
0: <laughs> well, evidently something is working. Yeah. But there was a turning point where obviously you sort of, you know, stepped out from administration manager to marketing yeah. manager to becoming general manager yeah. um, in the business. The, in the business. So tell us like what happened here? I think there's a story if I remember correctly.
1: Well, yeah, there's some. So after uh, my my friend um, and I only worked together for mm, about 18 months and the business was sold and it was sold to our commercial um, franchisees, um, Tony Anderson and Rob Farrell. And Tony is a very charismatic leader, the kind of person that everybody wants to be around and very smart man, very successful man. And, um, and I worked alongside him and I loved it because he would go in and make all these massive proclamations about what we were going to do. And then I would go along in the background and actually make those things happen. And that's mm-hmm. where I saw myself. I saw myself as a really good number two. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were a really, we were a great team. Um, and he was going on holidays. We'd been working together for, I don't know, 12 or 18 months, I guess. And, um, And um, he was going on holidays and he he walked past me and said, see you later kiddo, see you in two weeks. And then he literally walked backwards and said, oh, by the way, you are so much better at this franchising stuff than me. Um, I'm gonna go back to selling commercial real estate and I want you to be the general manager. Anyway, I'll see you in two weeks. And I went (laughs) and I'm like, what just happened? (laughs) um and my assistant at the time lisa diver tuck um who i'm I'm still friends with today um ran into my office and said did i just hear what i thought i heard it's like i've got no idea but let's have a shampers anyway so (laughs) that's what we did um and it was really it was a really um it was a massive lesson to me because i rang all of my franchisees and said look this is what's happened because um i was concerned that they wouldn't be happy with the news. Even though they knew me, all, they, they, they'd all known me um, for quite a few years, by four or five years
0: probably by then. But sorry, um, can I just interrupt? Yeah. Why did you think that they would not be happy with the news?
1: Well, I didn't see myself as a leader. Um, and I didn't see myself as, you know, my idea of a great leader is one of those really charismatic people that um, people are drawn towards, that people want to be around and that people want to listen to. And I didn't see myself that way. Right. Um, so I'd been, it had been five years um, I'd been in the business. And um, so I rang them all and told them what had happened and everybody was really excited. And I'm like, i got like, I'd made all my calls and then I thought, mm, I don't understand why they're all so happy about it. So I rang a few that I knew particularly well and said, why are you so happy? And they all said a version of the same thing. We know how much you care about Lang and Simmons. We know how much you care about us. And we know how much you care about our businesses and that's what we want from our leader and so it was really powerful they you know the old um, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care is you know it's very
0: very true it's a very important sentiment today actually it really is but how long did that notion and that happiness last? Because the decision was then made to basically make some pretty drastic changes in the business. And you know the decision was made to change, um, to turn sort of 60 offices or 60 franchises into 27. Yeah. So tell us about that. It wasn't that fun. <laughs>
1: Um, so yeah it's been it's actually been i think and i think part of the reason i've been able to be happily with lang and simmons for 25 years is we have had three owners during that time and every owner had a very different view so the first owner um they wanted dots on maps they didn't care Um, they just wanted they just wanted Office numbers, and so we had a business development manager that was out trying to build the business. When Rob and Tony took over, they had a very, very different view. That isn't what they wanted at all. They wanted a clean brand. They wanted to only work with people with really high ethical standards. They only wanted, yeah, very. They were very specific and very clear in the kind of people that they thought should be part of the Simmons family. So, I, um, my early franchising was more about disenfranchising than uh, <laughs> getting people to join. So it was challenging, but it's been it's been worthwhile because now um, we have now, now owned by Dexar who also own the independent brand in Canberra and whilst they are very happy to grow the brand they're also very specific with the kind of people they want to grow the brand with as well so yeah
0: it's been it's been an interesting time. Well, let's kind of break that down because you mentioned you talk about you know the business being sold again eight years later and being bought by by Dexar. And yeah. you know what we normally see when we see a business that's sold, whether it be in real estate or any other industries, we do see that the management team sort of tends to to turn over and yeah. and there's a lot of change. So how have you actually been able to keep that top job throughout these three business owners? I haven't got a bloody
1: clue. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think um, um, I am very synonymous now with the Lang & Simmons brand. Um, and the, the the guys in Dexar, um, they never wanted to be in Sydney managing the brand. They were always planning on staying in Canberra. And so they could see that I was... Um, the key to a, a, um, a successful transition a smooth transition for them mm. um, and they um, appointed me managing director um, a couple of years into their um, into their ownership which was which was really nice as well
0: mm. so how is it that you you see your position or your role in Lang and Simmons today
1: yeah I do very much see myself as a leader now um, I have got a phenomenal team uh, corporate team around me they're really um, they care, they care as passionately about the brand as I do, which is not easy to find. Um, and I really value that. And because of that, I can do other things. As you know, I'm um, president of the Real Estate Institute of in New South Wales. So I'm in my second term as presidency in the middle of COVID-19. Hell of a time to be president, let me tell you. <laughs> um, and we're going to really
0: explore this, actually, because okay. I think it's a really important topic to, to talk about. And, yeah. you know, um, for a number of different reasons.
1: Sure, um, and I've also got the Real Women Real Estate Network, which is um, not just national, but we've um, we've got um, groups in New Zealand and also in Los Angeles. So obviously that's been a little bit curtailed um, over over recent weeks, but um, but that's okay. So yeah, I can't even remember the question now.
0: Yeah, well, we're just talking about your <laughs> current role. Um, yeah you know, at Lang and Simmons. And I think, yes. you know, one of the things that I've heard you say on a number of different occasions is that you really see that it's your role to provide that level of service to, you know, to yes. agents and, and to, to franchisors. So, um, you know, what is it that you're looking for, I guess, when you're recruiting business into the franchise today? Yes. You know, and are you as an, as an organization, are you in a growth phase?
1: Yeah, we actually just started our um, our, our newest office, only started on Tuesday of this week, would you believe? Tuesday wow. after Easter, um, yeah, in Armidale. Shout out to Lucky Sewell in Armidale. He is an awesome young guy who is excited and enthusiastic about uh, the industry, the opportunities and about the brand. And that's really, first and foremost, what I look for is that passion and enthusiasm for the industry. Um, and I want people that are going to engage. I want people that want to be part of the type of brand that Lang & Simmons is, which is a very inclusive, collaborative brand. I'm a very big believer that there's a different brand suitable for different people. Not all brands suit all people. And for us, we want people that want to work with us. We want people that want to get involved and challenge our thinking and, you know, push us to, to do different, more interesting things. So that's really what we look for.
0: Well, that's really interesting, actually, because if we have a look at the style of of managing and the style of business ownership over the last 20 years, you know, once upon a time, you know, it was all about dictating and you know basically they're called the good old days sherry (laughs) but you know it was all about a very much a strong and a forceful approach yep and then we've kind of had this society and cultural kind of change now where you know great leadership today is really seen to be um very open and honest about problems and concerns you know in in the business um, and various different issues. So, I mean, how have you been able to adapt through all of these kind of cultural and society kind of changes in order, you know, for you to grow and to still be the leader that you are today?
1: Um, My natural approach is collaborative. um, And I find that um, it's easier to get people on board if you understand their perspective. So I can put myself in other people's shoes very easily. Um, and if I can understand what they're trying to achieve and they can understand what I'm trying to achieve, we can, we can work together to achieve that effectively. So that dict- the, the dictator approach um, that so many franchisors used for a long time, um, I know there are some out there that are still trying it, but it's just, it's just not the way of the world anymore.
0: No, look, and we have moved on. And I think the other thing that we've also moved on with, and I think, you know, COVID has really kind of taken it to another level, is flexible work environments. Sure. You know, once upon a time, we expected someone to be in the office at at 8.30, that they wouldn't have a lunch break, that they didn't leave the office and that they weren't making any calls or, you know, they weren't working hard unless you actually saw them in the office. Yeah. And, you know, I know that there's a number of people who, you know, are and who have been in your business that you have given this flexibility of of working from, from home. Sure. I mean... Now this is taken to a completely different level because we've, we've got to create our I'm own accountability. Here. But, you know, do you feel that that has, you know, helped you grow and find the right people to be a part of your business? Um, yeah, I've
1: been lucky enough for people to actually um, often come to me and say that they wanted to work for me. Um, and I do, I do believe in understanding what outcomes people want um so let me give you an example david who um i'm sure you know started in my business four years ago and dave was my network growth person now dave um when it was hilarious the interview he, um, i remember we we're sitting in a cafe in dy and he's, he's um very intense my friend dave and he said to me now leanne i've got a lot of things that i need to understand about you and your business before i can agree to come work for you i'm like okay <laughs> um and so i said look how about this dave you interview me for an hour and if you're happy, then you can come into town, into the office, and I will interview you. And so that's the way, that's the way that we approached it. And David had been working for me for not that long um, when I realised that he wasn't, it didn't really light his fire being a business development person. He wanted to be a coach. And so I said, okay, here's some things that you need to do for me to think about you in that space. And he went away. He invested in time and money, in training, learning um, a whole lot of skills. And then as when that happened, um, I employed him as our full-time coach. And then he sort of came to me a year later and said, okay, well, this has been great, but what I wanna do is build my own business. Um, And so then we moved him to a three day a week consultant for Lang and Simmons. And the other two days a week, he was building his own coaching business. Now, some people might look at that and think, oh God, you're mad. You're just helping him move away from you. But for me, I've had a loyal, productive, employee for four years that I would have lost probably three years ago if I if I didn't adapt with what he wanted and if I didn't really understand what he wanted. Mm. Um, so that's the key, really um, having your people and not everybody's willing um, to be honest with you about what they want, um, but if people are um, happy to trust you with what their their goals are, then you can actually often help them make it happen.
0: I think that's really interesting what you say there, because, you know, it is about empowering people. And we're so lucky to have them as part of our journey, you know, and yeah. part of the business's journey. And we need to also understand that it's not just them working for us, but we're also working for them. And it needs to be a collaborative kind of match. And yep. You know there is a period of time where it is and then there are times where it does deviate and it changes and you can either embrace it and grow with it or there will be a time where it's no longer a match and you both go your separate ways and you you have to
1: be at peace with that you know I've been employing people for (laughs) for nearly 40 years right Um, and the reality of the situation is every employee is effectively a volunteer yes we pay them Um, But we know if you've got good people, they can pretty much work anywhere. Mm. So why are they gonna choose to work for you? You have to be really clear on that.
0: Exactly, so I think, you know, what I'm hearing is that there's a lot of empowering and giving them freedom to become the best professional that they can be in order to deliver the best results within your business. But on top of all of that, I mean, you must, obviously ask quite a lot of anyone who works with you. So what is it that you actively ask for them to do and to, to be and feel and, and give?
1: Well, I certainly, um, people need to be passionate about the brand and about the industry and about giving back to people. Um, about, you know, just like there's a different franchise brand that suits different agents, there's a different brand that suits different employees as well, from a corporate perspective. Um, I hate being micromanaged and I am hopeless at micromanaging people. I'm really not good at it. Um, And that's okay because that attracts a different kind of person. I'm outcome focused. So I'm not about to tell my business development guy how many calls he needs to make every single day. Mm-hmm. But what I am, I, um, what I do do is sit down with him and have a conversation around what the goals are for this period of time. What's, what are the outcomes that he wants to see? And then we, we get judged on our outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's just about conversations, right?
0: Well, it's interesting talking about those conversations and talking about this story in terms of, you know, being interviewed by the interviewee, so to speak. Yeah. So I think that's a really good tip in terms of how to hire people yeah. and showing that you're you're open um, to, you know, empowering and collaboration. But, you know, there must be times where you've needed to you know, to fire people or break up with them. And, you know, this is particularly probably quite pointed Free out their
1: future. (laughs) I
0: like that. But at this particular time through COVID, you know, there are agencies that are hurting that are needing to obviously finish stuff up or there could even just be people who are no longer sort of, you know, performing, you know, to to what's expected of them. So what are your top tips when it comes to, you know, the breakup?
1: Yeah, I've actually um, always been really good at people um, breaking up with me. Um, so they get to the stage that they um, understand that they're no longer a fit, um, and they make the decision themselves. That doesn't always happen, um, but I've had it happen more often than not. Um, but if you do have to, um, if you do have to let someone go, um, you know, it's tricky because my natural style is to be really open. Um, and sometimes you can't be as open as you would like when you've got to um, achieve things in a, um, in a certain way, it, yeah, sometimes it, it can be tricky. You, need to, be get, tr- yeah, you need to get clear, um, uh, have the boundaries very clear, know what you, mm. what you, what you can and can't say. Um, but I think typically most people shouldn't be surprised. If um, if this is coming, because you should be having conversations along the way about um, you know performance management conversations,
0: and that's exactly what it what we're sort of hearing here. It's a, a matter of being open in terms of their ability
1: yeah. and
0: what they're doing well and what they're not doing well. You know give them an opportunity to improve and if not then they're going to know themselves hey listen if, if they don't yeah. if they don't throw in the flag white flag then basically they're going to be you know the one yeah. who's out of out of power with that so i like it get them to break up with you not yeah
1: exactly <laughs> um and i think if you um you know, there's been lots of conversations around core values um in recent in recent years that we probably didn't have sort of 15 or 20 years ago we just didn't even really know what that meant to be frank um but I find that the values that you have in the business um, can be really useful in those performance management conversations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, explain to me how, help me to understand how this behaviour is in line with with this particular value. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually people just won't be able to.
0: Hi there, it's me, it's Sherry Stora, and I'm interrupting this interview with a special Sponsor List Ready. Now, if you haven't heard of these guys, you need to go and check them out. Head to their website list-ready.com.au because they are going to change how you look at VPA in this marketplace. And in fact, these guys really are a VPA finance solution in Australia. Now, there are a number of common themes that are running right throughout this podcast series, and vendor-paid advertising is most certainly one of them. Now, this is not just because it helps grow an agent's business, but it's really those exceptional outcomes to our sellers in terms of price and also in terms of timelines. I must admit, I do understand that as an agent, it can often be challenging for an owner to actually find those additional funds to prepare correctly. And, and by default, this kind of becomes the agent's issue. So I've always used, you know, VPA Finance Solutions, but I never really found that overall encompassing kind of right option. That is until I heard about List Ready. I'm so excited about them. I guess essentially what they do is they, they look at all costs, whether it be renovating, landscaping, marketing, or staging a home, right up to $25,000. It's really simple to use. And in fact, at the listing presentation, you up your phone and you complete an online application form, which literally takes a minute to complete. And within a couple of minutes, once there's approval, the funds will go directly into your trust account. So this is extremely powerful and important because. Costs, there's no hidden fees for real estate agents. It's really a service that's been bought out of necessity for agents to help their sellers achieve the best possible prices. And in fact, it is actually List Ready's mission statement to actually the best value for vendors. So look, if you haven't already, go and check out their website, list-ready.com.au or alternatively give them a call on one 300 18 Important because I think people today choose to work for managers um, they don't necessarily choose to work for the corporation, so to speak. Sure. So, you know, how many times have we heard people who love the business, but they didn't enjoy who they were managed by? Or yeah. people who stayed at a business that they didn't necessarily love because they loved who they were working directly with. So, you know, it's when you can combine the two that really it's... it's it's quite powerful and I think culturally what I have seen you know from being involved in a number of different events through Lang and Simmons now over over the years is that there is a lot of fun in the culture and there's a lot of really cool conferences with dress-ups and I think you're not afraid to poke fun of your at yourself and I've seen you do dance routines and all kinds of of various different things, but you know, in addition to this, what else have you done to promote this kind of culture of growth and keeping the right people involved in the business?
1: Uh, so when I'm going back to 25 years ago when I first started at, at um, Lang & Simmons, I, I mentioned I'd left a business that I was very unhappy with. I got to Lang and & Simmons and I discovered that the franchisees hated each other and they hated head office even more. And I said to um, John, who was the general manager at the time, I said, I can't do this again. I have just spent, um, you know, four years being completely miserable in a job and I just want, I just am not gonna have it. So we've got two choices. I'm happy to go and find another job or we can change the culture. Um, and so it was It was a very deliberate decision and it's not an easy thing to do. Mm. Um, and it happened over time. And so we did change the culture at Lang and Simmons. And you can see now it is a culture. We, do, um, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we do take what we do very seriously. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with having a whole lot of fun um, in amongst um, doing really good business. And so that's what we try and actively prom- promote.
0: Oh, I love that. I think that's great. But You know, talking about franchises and talking about the franchise model, there has been quite a lot of conversation of late around, you know, this model and around, you know, the real estate industry. In particular, you know, when it comes to flexibility of uh, workspaces, fees, you know, training and agents being able to have more control of marketing and their branding. And we are, you know, we've been seeing a number of different models kind of rolling out that is giving flexibility Um, on this. I mean, what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, today's current franchise franchise models, particularly through COVID, and how things need to move forward in the future?
1: Well, certainly we have always been a brand that uh, collaborates with our franchisees. And so if they um, need to promote themselves in a certain way, and that's outside of our guidelines, we have a conversation around what they're trying to achieve, um, why they can't achieve it with the material and collateral we have available. And If we can, we will work with them to develop something that works. There are certainly times when I say no, uh, the logo is not pink and purple. That are not, they are not the colours. Um, So there are times when I just say no, I can't do it, and this is why, but I always give a reason as to why. I want people to be really clear on what my perspective is and um, so that we can actually get to a a point where everybody's comfortable. Um, It's been really interesting though, I think if you would talk to any of my franchisees today, they are blown away with the level of support and um, information that they're getting from the corporate team over the last three weeks. Um, And so, yes, a few months ago, people might be saying, Oh, what what is the value in a franchise? I can tell you, my franchisees would not be asking that question right now. They are blown away. Um, We've got a, um, a Facebook messenger group with all of our business owners in it. So um, we know it's only business owners, so we can have a certain type of conversation. I do a video every morning and every afternoon, just giving people an update of where everything is at. Um, We do um, three webinars a week with various guest speakers. And there's just so much information and support being provided to people that I think they feel really, um, they feel safe. Mm. in this environment that they may not feel, they may have felt differently if they were an independent. And we're actually negotiating with two independent officers right now about joining uh, about Lang and Simmons, um, right in the middle of all of this.
0: Well, this is kind of the opportunity that I see right now too. I must admit, because you know we are seeing agents and agencies change right now, and that is because they are getting that lack of support. And yeah. you know, if you are a business owner right now, you should be literally supporting your your team in the way that you've just Tiling. discussed. Yeah. You should be sending out videos to you know to the people who are currently listed with your business, you know, to landlords, to tenants. But you know, you need to really be spending that time with your your team members, and you know, it's a great time to grow a business, right? now whether it be a franchise or an agency yeah and you know i've even been talking to real estate recruiters who are saying they are busier than they've ever been because agents are just not seeing principals and business owners actually step up so it's interesting to hear you talk about um business development for franchises right now too.
1: yeah absolutely and it is now is the time um that leaders need to step up that is just you know whether you want to do it or not it, it doesn't matter. You need to be you need to be the calm face, um, the calm influence in this turbulent time because most people don't do well in uncertainty and it's, it's almost impossible to give people any certainty right now. And so they need they need to feel like somebody else is in, is, is in control even when they're not
0: does that make sense Mm, totally it totally makes sense but i also think too you know taking ourselves out of covid and just looking you know in terms of normal real life what is normal real life after this we you know we don't know but but essentially you know i think spending that time with your team is very important whether they be a franchisor or whether they be somebody in your direct team you know one-on-one meetings um particularly, I think are a very powerful and very important. But I do see that a lot of business owners and a lot of, you know, agents who have EBUs very rarely spend the time to do these one-on-one meetings with their team. They just don't truly see the value in them. Um, they're, too, they're too busy. Easy. I mean, what would you, how important do you think one-on-one conversations are, you know, during COVID and also you know, in normal world?
1: They're really important. Um, and, you know, I, I'm as guilty as the next person for being too busy and not being able to do um, as many of them as I would like to either. But the thing is, um, you need to really understand your team. You need to really understand what motivates them, what's important to them. And the only way that you can do that is by having those genuine, authentic conversations um, and being prepared to sort of drill in and ask, ask questions.
0: Well, I think that's the part that I don't really understand and look I we both know what it's like to be to being incredibly busy but I think with a lot of agents they don't really necessarily see that it's actually a way of empowering your team and creating another little kind of center that's going to be busy profitable in the right kind of ways and you know it is our responsibility talking about these society and cultural kind of changes where once upon a time somebody worked for you and you told them what to do Whereas now you're actually a part of their journey. And if you don't help particularly millennials as being a part of their, their personal development and their growth, they're not going to to stay with you. So I think a big part of this journey here is actually understanding and you've touched on it, understanding what their, you know, greater life goals are, how you can help them along the way, but also to empowering them on a day to day, on a week to week basis and also on a much larger picture so that you can move forward in terms of those those goals yeah but you know Leanne I think touching back to the fact that you've worked now for the same business for 25 years that there have been three different business owners um, in a country where the average lifespan of a CEO is three years I mean you've done incredibly well it's clear yeah. that you're an adapter you know can I say can I say adapter that sounds all kinds of wrong but I mean no, okay. right? right. <laughs> so you know when I think of, of adapting and when I think of of you, you clearly have done this when it comes to managing people, but I think yeah. that there is another part of of adapting and for you to have stayed on in this particular role. And that is, you know, in terms of, you know, um, finding better ways of doing things, finding faster way of doing things, finding more profitable ways of doing things. And
1: yeah.
0: step one is obviously, you know, um, to be open to change. The second one is really that implementing and technology has been a really big part of this, you know, for for you. So how has it enabled you to implement and to create change in terms of systems and procedures?
1: Um, so I think probably, I think my greatest strength is probably the fact that I am very adaptable. Um, I have not been at all. So I've never wanted to work from home, and now you may never get me out of home, even though I've got a very <laughs> dodgy green screen behind me here. Sorry about that. It's um, we're, we were trying to we were trying to be able to use the Zoom backgrounds, but it's not working very well. Anyway, um, but I think being adaptable is probably my my greatest strength. Um, it can be. Interesting. Um, most people don't like change, and so trying to get real estate agents involved in technology has been um, has been a re- in any meaningful way has been very challenging. And that has been hilarious to watch everybody all of a sudden scramble for these Zoom meetings and online auctions and all this stuff that you know that they just didn't want to know about you know a month ago. Now all of a sudden it's urgent. It's like, oh, really? Now it's urgent. <laughs> Um, So, I think that's one of the great things that's going to come out of this. Is the adapt, um, adapting to technology is going to be much, um, hopefully, they're going to be more uh, readily willing to do that and, you know, building their, you know, having to do online um, market appraisals and all of this sort of stuff that they just wouldn't, they would just laugh at me
0: um, if we talked
1: about it before.
0: Well, I definitely think that's that's one of the cases there that, you know, and I talk a lot about this, the fact that I feel like we're stuck in the 80s because we're still doing things the way that we've always done them. But Always done them, yeah. The reason why we're doing that is because it's all about volume and transactions instead of the consumer experience, and yep. we need to really understand that you know consumers have changed and society has changed, and we really have been very um, aggressive against this change. Whereas now it's like it has totally been a leveler for us, and you know it's a great way for us, I think, to definitely improve and to have a lot of. Positive things that are coming out in the industry, but yeah. what technologies have you, you know, implemented into your business that have seen, you know, are still a little bit outside the square, but you've seen great results from?
1: My favorite is Zoom. I have to be honest. <laughs> My favorite is Zoom. We um, um, we have a principals meeting every um, every Monday morning uh, with you know forty five. Um, businesses around the state and we can see everybody and we're there you know we only i'm not one for a meeting for the sake of a meeting so the meeting might be half an hour or it might be 15 minutes it's it's however long it is but i just i love that and we won't be going back to traditional uh, regional meetings in the way we've done them in the past we'll be doing them more frequently um, over technology so just something as simple as that um, I think we'll have a massive difference on the way we can um, connect with remote
0: teams. How I crazy! Love that. All of that unproductive time in terms of driving, parking, you know, getting up there, having the chit chat—it's just straight into business. And I must say yeah, that's obviously how my business has been operating for the last three years because I work with agents, you know, all, all over Australia New yeah. and New Zealand. But you know, there's also been other things that I have seen that you've. You know, you've implemented as an organisation into um, into business. And one of those yep. has been, you know, through um, artificial intelligence sure. and through the use of chat box, particularly through um, project marketing and working yep. a project, which I believe was in Canberra, correct?
1: The first one was in Canberra, absolutely. And, um, and so the artificial intelligence was just taught to answer the questions um, that um, would normally go to a, a real estate agent. But what was interesting um, about that particular project was the two most expensive properties were sold um, via the, the um, AI and those people were asked afterwards how the experience was and what they would have done if there was a buy now button. And um, and they said, yeah, we would have just pressed it because we knew the we knew the property, we knew the developer, we knew the location. Um, we were happy with what we saw. We yeah, we would would have been happy just to press a buy now button. So, I know, I know. So that's, that's yeah. crazy.
0: But they were clearly very qualified, and they already they had you know trust and confidence in the product, which I think is is a very important note there. And that's totally. again something that we talk about so much in this industry is that magical yeah. word kind of trust yeah but you know talking about this this element of change and embracing change why is it that you have chosen to stay with the same business for the last 25 years
1: because i love it i love the people and i love the brand and um you know some of the franchisees have been there since the beginning of my time there so uh, they've been you know friends for for 25 years, and so I have been approached about a number of different jobs um, during my time, but it would have to be something very, very special um, to get me out of uh, Lang and Simmons because I just love it.
0: Oh, okay. So, but, but can I ask you, has there been a time in your career where you have felt legitimately kind of scared or thought that maybe it was time to, to move on, where there's been a challenge there?
1: Uh, oh, look, I... <laughs> I'm not going to say that the last 25 years have all been happy. Um, they, you know, they, they haven't. There was a period of time um, that I was um, I was not overly happy, but I've always been really good at identifying when I didn't need to do something different. And so it's not always about getting a new job. For me, um, I went back to university and, um, and did an MBA. Um, and so I felt there was something I always regretted was, Studying part time and not going to university and, and having that degree. Um, so I went back as a, you know, when I was in my 40s and, and did that. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm really glad I'm, I did. And, and I just always know when there's, it's time for me to look for something else. But it doesn't necessarily mean about changing jobs, it just means doing things differently or doing, you know, doing different things.
0: Really powerful what you said there because what you talked about is that not necessarily expecting someone else to change, but you actually change your outlook, you changed yeah. your mindset, you develop different skill sets, and you basically, you know, took control and took ownership of that that exactly. issue. Mm, yeah. That. Okay. yeah, You've so,
1: got to take yeah. You've got to take action, right? You can't expect somebody else to um, make life uh, more interesting for you. You've got to make it more interesting for yourself.
0: <laughs> so. As, as you mentioned earlier, you are president of the board of the REI NSW. So, mm. you know, tell us, what does this role actually entail?
1: Oh, it's a whole different conversation this week than it was a month ago, let me tell you. <laughs> it is unbelievable. But what's been awesome for me is because... Um, there's so much rumour and gossip and hearsay and Chinese whispers in um, at the moment that, for me, it's been great to be at the coalface. So I am the one speaking to government and to our legis- um, our regulator and having those conversations. So I know the answers. Um, and if I, if I don't know the answer, I have got a direct line to the people who can give me the answers. And so that has been great. I wouldn't say I'm a control freak, but I certainly do like to, to be very certain of um, the information that I'm sharing, and I like being in a position where I can share information that I know is right. And so, um, for me, at the moment, it's all about educating the industry, making sure we all know exactly what we can and can't do, all work together for you know a better outcome for everybody. Um, but prior to COVID, um, it, the reason I joined the board, I've been on the board for 10 or 12 years, and I joined the board because in my job as the franchisor, I was having people come to me saying, Leanne, I'd like to open a Lang and Simmons office. And I would go, awesome, tell me about your real estate experience. Oh, well, I'm licensed, but I'm an accountant. It's like, well, hold on, have you ever worked in real estate? No. And that would happen time and time again, because, and, and bearing in mind, we have different levels of qualification around the country, right? But in New South Wales, um, Sorry, that's
0: said, my buzzer going. i was going say that's you. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> not me. It's not me.
1: Apologies. <laughs> that's all right. Um, and so, people could go and do their license and have no real estate experience, and within five or six weeks get their license and open a business, mm. and that just blew my mind. And so, I figured rather than complain about the situation. The only way I could impact it was to get on the board of the REI and drive positive change and so that's what that's what I've done and finally the 23rd and it's not just all me The the entire board of uh, the Real Estate Institute has been passionately pursuing this for quite some time on the 23rd of March the same day um, COVID pretty much hit um, our training and education reforms were passed um, and and actually implemented into into industry. So that's something that I'm really proud of. And that's the kind of thing that the the Institute does. It works um, to help government understand our industry and to have outcomes that are better, um, ultimately a better consumer experience, which, you know, I think that if it's good for the agent, it's good for the consumer. What's good for the consumer is good for the agent. That's the way it is.
0: Couldn't agree more. So what I've really heard there is that, you know, it has been great for social conscience in, in terms of, you know, giving back to, to the industry, but it's also oh. been really good, you know, for your business as well. So um, I think, you know, when I when I talk to a lot of industry professionals, as as yourself, I'm really keen to understand, you know, all of these thought leaders' opinions on the industry and where they see the future going. But more importantly, what is their kind of, you know, perfect notion, or, and where they where they would like to see the industry heading? What's yours?
1: Well, I would um, I would love to see the real estate industry become a profession. You know, I think that we deserve to be a profession. And I think that if we can hold ourselves and each other to a higher standard of accountability, it will give a much better consumer experience. And it will, it will really provide a real estate career rather than, um, it, 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 yeah, there, there are people, let's face it, we have got a reputation that's not great. Um, and the majority of us don't deserve it. But some of us do. Some of us do not do the right thing. We are in it. Um, for our own reasons and usually either finance, financial or ego. Um, and we need um, a way of weeding those people out. We really do.
0: So what is is that way? I mean, you've talked about training reforms. What yep. exactly are the training reforms that you are rolling out or that have rolled out?
1: So, in New South Wales, there's a 600% increase in um, training and education requirements over what it was before. But that still doesn't mean we're leading the country. We're not. We're only just catching up to the Northern Territory, for example. Um, and so, in New South Wales, you can only hold your certificate of registration for four years without progressing to become fully licensed. Um, So you can't, you can't just sit there, Uh, you have to continually um, develop your education. You can't open a business without having a couple of years experience. Um, So there are two different classes of license, a licensee in charge and just a license. Mm -hmm. So there's just, they're just putting in more requirements for education and more requirements for experience, which is a good thing for everybody. But that's then the base from where we become a profession. So that's the base. That's not the ceiling.
0: Mm. Well, I think that's interesting being talked about, being recognised as a as a profession. And as you say, it's great for consumers. It's great for our buyers and sellers. And wouldn't it be nice to be sort of at the top of the list for the most trusted professionals instead of at the, oh, at the very Oh, that bottom? would be my dream. <laughs> but you know, is this a national um, initiative? Um, so it was something that
1: um, John Cunningham, who is the previous president of the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales. Hi, John. By the yes, way, Hi one John. of our favourite people in the world. <laughs> totally love John. Um, and um, and John was absolutely passionate about it, and he has been leading that charge for, gosh, about four about four years now, and speaking to people around the country. So it is definitely something that. Um, we have a lot of um, excitement about around the country. Particularly, the high-profile, the high, the higher-performing businesses are the ones that are really um, are really keen um, mm. on this. It's technically difficult to execute um, from a um, a regulation perspective. Um, so, yeah, we've we've got to jump through a whole lot of hoops that are, is making it difficult. And to be frank, in the last month, we've all been COVID focused and so the pathway to professionalism is um yeah it's just still there hold. but it's yeah. just on yeah exactly.
0: There's a there's a there's a bigger a bigger push bigger right issue.
1: now. Yeah that's right.
0: So you know there obviously have been some challenges as being a part of this this board. Have there been any times where you've just sort of thought, okay, well this isn't my battle, I'm I'm out of here and you know what have, have been sort of some of these struggles over the years?
1: Trying to get the education um, and training reforms have, they were a massive challenge. Um, Our previous minister, the minister we've got now, Minister Anderson is great and he's very, um, very supportive and it's actually due to him that these um, training reforms have actually now actually being implemented. But the minister prior to him was more interested in having headlines about dodgy agents than actually doing anything productive to help get rid of the dodgy agents. And so that was incredibly frustrating for me. Um, I'm used to dealing with people that um, are logical and can, can kind of... Um, see okay this is to get this outcome these are the actions that we need to take whereas in this situation um, it, there was there was none of that and he actively worked against us um, refusing to get the um, the parliamentary council to write the regulations that had to be written for it to be implemented and that um, was the most frustrating thing I've ever had to deal with in my life. Because on one hand, he's wanting this outcome, but on the other hand, he's actively going the other way. And so we had um, had a, quite a very public stoush. People in New South Wales would be aware of with the Minister and I lost my mind at the awards night one year and told everybody exactly what I thought <laughs> in front of 650 of my closest friends. Um, and so, but, you know, ultimately, yeah, ultimately we've now got a minister who has helped us achieve a, a better outcome for everybody and that is awesome.
0: So I just want to touch on this because I you know certainly I could I could see and I'm you know I'm not a member of the REI NSW or a mem- member of the REIQ living in, in Queensland but you know I do get a lot of the um the information from the REI NSW, because obviously, I've, I've been involved with various different, you know, yeah. um, you know, yeah. people, yeah, absolutely, I know, I know people, but I did see that there was a very strong stance around, you know, um, the OFT and around the government. And you know, what, what essentially kind of, um, I saw was a, a lot being put in writing, and it kind of was almost like an us at, versus them. But on top of all of that, I have also seen that there's been another battle. And that other battle has been around, okay, every single state have their own initiatives. And, you know, for me as a practicing professional and working with, you know, agents all around Australia and New Zealand, I would love there to be a leveler in terms of, okay, if I'm buying a property in New South Wales, it's the same as Queensland and South Australia, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had that? Yeah. I, I see everyone kind of, you know, understands that this is an issue, but I don't really see anyone taking on that larger battle like was taken. all Don't worldwide. you think I've
1: got enough to do,
0: Kerry <laughs> Stora? Honestly, what are you doing? What are you
1: putting out there? Um, so the, the whole, the whole um, concept of national legislation, um, I think, is a really important one. But there was, and it was actually. Really, before my time at REI, um, that that conversation was going on, and I know it absolutely fell apart. Um, but what I would say to you is, unfortunately, there are still a lot of people around that have got a lot of self-interest, mm-hmm. and so they're not interested in in collaboration, and they're not interested in giving because you can't always get your own way when you when you're talking about that. I think there's got to be a better way of doing it than, than there is now. I think there should be national legislation. I think there should be national licensing. I believe in all of that. Whether that's a conversation that will happen during my time as president, I, um, I finish um, in November 2021 and I will not be coming back for a repeat performance. <laughs> I deserve a rest after this. Um, but I do think that it is enough, it's a conversation that will be had again at some stage. I just don't know when. Mm.
0: Well, I think exactly as you say. There's only so much that you can do, and only yeah. so many battles that you can you can pick. And and certainly, you know, I've seen this. I know I've tried to take the battle up, and uh, you know, you've got to pick those issues that you feel that you can really work towards yeah. um, and work on. So,
1: and I there's think- also the right time. Mm. Um, timing is really, really important and relationships at the right level of government are really important as well. And that is you know if I've learned anything, it is that um, relationships are everything, even when it comes to um, getting uh, assistance at a government uh, at a government level. So if you've got those right relationships, that's when it's the right time to actually make massive change happen.
0: And this is a great time for building those relationships. So, you know, right now we're in the disruption phase um, in terms of COVID. So what do you think agents, you know, will really need um, resource-wise in order to, you know, work through this COVID crisis and- A telephone? A telephone, I love that. But also, you know, this is not just going to be affecting us in terms of the health crisis. You know, we've got this looming economic crisis. It's already hitting us now. And as we were talking about, you know, earlier, it's it's hitting some agents more than others right now. But we know in three, six, 12 months, it is going to be extremely challenging. So what resources do you think agents need to get them through this time?
1: Well, they certainly need to be um, having conversations with as many people as they can, but not about, you know, are you wanting to buy and sell? I mean, it's time for empathetic conversations, isn't it? It's time for just having conversations with the people in your community. Um, It is about having that understanding that it is going to be a challenging time. Maybe not, you know, most of our agents have got settlements still happening um, sort of throughout April, May and some even in June. Um, But come, you know, June, July, August, it is going to be challenging and we need to accept that that is reality and understand what we've got to do to get through that time. But also understand that there is an end to this. And the people that are doing, making the calls now, developing the relationships now, doing the work, um, whatever that looks like for you now, are the ones that are going to actually be able to skyrocket out. Because I think that there's going to be a lot of activity. Um, I've got. We had a conversation this morning with Rick Rushton and he's, he's like, August is the new spring. And that's when um, things are going to get really, really busy. And one thing that he did say, which I thought was really cool was, um, In two years' time, what are the things that you're going to regret that you didn't do during this time when you have got the time? For me, um, I need to um, get my inbox under control. Instead of having 42,500 emails um, and 2,500 unread, that is going to be under, that's my commitment to you right now, Sherry, that is going to be under control by the end of this, whenever that is.
0: Well, that truly surprises me because I notice that you're very good on email, so and you always come back to people very, very quickly. I try, <laughs> but I think you know there's a, a number of different points that you touched on there. The first one is actually about picking up the phone and actually having an empathetic converse, uh, conversation with people, and that the conversation needs to change. And yeah, you know, for me, I feel incredibly frustrated, and I, you know, that I see a lot of agents are out there still trying to list and sell. Now, there are genuinely people who do need to list and sell right now yeah. um, for, for whatever personal reasons and will choose to do that. But there is also a large portion of the market who will actually choose to wait during this time. And so, us coming across as an industry of like, list now, the market's great, or we've got lots of buyers coming out, is not the right message to be sending. People are smarter than this. So, you know, we need to support those people who do need to list and sell, you know understand that we need to take a hit like every other industry has whether it be retail aviation tourism hospitality whatever it is and suck it up now we do have a lot more free time so we can work on projects such as your inbox listing presentations but i also think it's about the mindset too and through covid i think um and i'm talking with a lot of different agents who aren't saying this publicly but they are feeling sad. They're doing what needs to be done, but they're feeling genuinely sad. 2020 was their year yeah. and we had floods, we had fire and we've now had COVID and then economic crisis. So it was like, this was shaping up to be like one hell of a year and sure it's delivered, but in sure a completely is. different way.
1: Yeah.
0: So I think it's okay to be sad. You know, we are grieving for, you know, for the loss of what was going to be, of what we did have and, and and what is happening with our family and our homes and our loved ones and people who can't necessarily go overseas to see their families or people who are losing money in their shares and their super, you know, there is incredible loss that's happening at the moment. So I think, you know, we need to be sensitive to that and move forward. You know, you talk about the biggest opportunity there in terms of working with people and having those conversations and I think Again, you know, this is a message that I keep rolling out. It's a message that you keep rolling out. I really hope that that is one of the big points that's that's taken from today. Yeah. But look, let's let's change course and let's. let's, let's run, just one, just one
1: more thing. I've been saying um, repeatedly over the last couple of weeks. We need to focus on what we can do, not on what we can't do, because we we are all in the same situation. That is the reality. The entire world. How often does that happen, right? The entire world is in exactly the same situation and it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel sorry for yourself, but give yourself a time limit. If you really need to cry, okay, give yourself three minutes and have a good old cry and then just, you know, give yourself an uppercut and get back on with it and focus on what you can do because we will get through
0: this. Exactly right. And I think sometimes it's by getting, letting those emotions out gives you the opportunity to gather the strength to yeah. move on. It's when you don't really acknowledge this the space that you're in, you keep trying to plow through it that yeah. you really don't manage to do any anything that's kind of productive.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, look, let's talk about some really great things for you. And that is that you um you won last year the the women in real estate, the most influential woman in real estate at the realestate.com area awards. Thank you. What did this what did this accolade mean to you?
1: Um, yeah, that's a really interesting question. I, I, I won Last year I won about, I don't know, four or five awards. Um, it was really, it was an interesting, it was a really interesting year. And I'm still not exactly sure how I feel about these women um, in real estate awards, to be frank. I've written a lot of blogs on it. And... Um, Um, And I had somebody actually send me a message and say, congratulations, Leanne, who's the most influential man in real estate? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I completely get it. But that's not really the point because there are still, as you well know, there are still plenty of women who don't necessarily have the confidence that you and I have to go out and make things happen for themselves. But if they can see people like you and I actually achieving things on 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 a wider stage, it helps them. It helps them to see people um, and hear people that have got stories that are a bit look more like their own, rather than um, you know the blokes that that um, jump out of their you know Aston Martins and don't wear socks with their suits. Um, there, it, it, everybody, there's a need for diversity. Everybody's got a different story. Everybody relates to things differently, and so we need all of our voices up there and all of us being seen. And so I guess. Really, for me, I was um, I was really appreciative and honoured that that um, the judges, who I think you might have been one of them, um, who thought that my story was worthy um, of winning that award. Um, but it just yeah, it just gives more all of us an opportunity to strive um, for something a little bit greater than what we're doing right now. I think.
0: Mm. What's interesting because I've been a judge on a number of different you know awards and and competition panels and um, it's probably this particular award I was most excited about in terms of the judging panel and I also judged at, at you know at the areas, the um, the agent of the year and so forth. Now, mm. why this was so great is because I also judged it the previous year and the quality and the number of the applications and the finalists were absolutely substantially and vastly different. So to me, what it actually said and what it represented is that the good work that you, that myself, that a number of others in this industry have been doing to champion women and you know has really made a difference and leanne i do see you you know as an inspiration as an icon you know in this industry that is welcoming change but you know for so long there just hasn't been enough champion of women in terms of our skill sets um, but even just having women that say hey listen that's just like me you know i've got those same problems too yeah. or i can't do it in this particular way or i do it this way because it works for me and it feels right for me so yeah. i think you know it's this embracing of challenges and skill set and celebrating them is very important I must admit, like you, I probably um, didn't always see that there was an issue for women in real estate. I didn't, yeah. because I was always successful in my own career. I had my own yeah. agencies, you know, had my own sort of um, powerful positions, as you have. I didn't see that it was a problem. Yeah. And it was only after really getting you know, involved um, that I understood that, okay, it may not be an issue for me, but there are issues for others. And it's my understanding that this is also how the real women in real estate come about, and yeah. the catch up with the property girls uh, events came came yep. about. Is that right?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So that was, um, gosh, I'm starting to lose control of the About five years ago now, um, I for a couple of years I'd had a number of women that in a, in and around my. Um, my own team um that had said to me you know they wanted to do an event for women and i'm like i i didn't even go to the rei women in real estate conferences i didn't i actively avoided all of that sort of thing because i didn't understand it i didn't feel i needed it i didn't see the point Um, And so that's what I kept saying to these women around me, saying, but what would we do there? Why would we do that? And they're like, oh, Leanne, you can have champagne. I'm like, okay, if I can have champagne, let me see what I can do. So after two years of nagging, I sent an email out to about a dozen women that I knew that had um, networks of women working for them and said, do you think this is a good idea? And so two weeks later, we um, had a group of 65 women come to our first event in Sydney and that really took me by surprise so I just stood back and went okay I might not get this but there's obviously some kind of need out there and I had um, Maria Findakakis from Aview she flew up from Melbourne um, for that first event and of course she along with the gorgeous Tanja is um, you know doing uh, looking after that network um, down in Victoria. Um, I had people come from Perth it was it just it absolutely blew my mind how quickly that group actually took off. And it was a real lesson for me. Just because I don't need it doesn't mean there's not a need. And it doesn't mean, you know, and I feel like I have the ability and the opportunity to make a difference in this space. I can put these things together. I can make this happen. Um, And so, damn it, I will. And I did. (laughs)
0: Well, you've certainly created a, a movement, and I know that a lot of women are very, you know, grateful and thank thankful for what you've built. And it's really nice to have these these events. So I'm um, looking forward to them, perhaps later in the year or, or next year. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> but look, there's one more thing that I would like to to touch on very briefly, sure. and that is, you know, about this typical imposter syndrome that we all. You know, do suffer from, but very pu- rarely do we publicly acknowledge. And I just want to talk about a conversation that you and I had, and I'm not sure if you remember it, but I congratulated you on being recognised as one of the most one of the most influential um, people in um, in New South Wales.
1: And oh, that's right. Yes, in Sydney, that was uh, yeah, New South Wales. Not just woman either. Thank you very much. It was much. person. Uh, it was I person. Know. I know.
0: <laughs> and I remember you sort of saying to me. Um, I can't believe that I'm on this list with all these other people. And I'm thinking here is this like powerhouse of a person who is literally having imposter syndrome going, I can't believe that they're putting me in the same ranks as these other people. And one of the work, you know, one of the the biggest kind of um, notions that I see in working with agents and agencies is this imposter syndrome where we think that we're not good enough. And I think it's encouraging to hear that we all feel it myself included yourself included that we're not the only ones who do feel from it and um i think when you have those moments how do you how do you deal with it do you just tell yourself stop being silly and, and change your mindset and move on or what what do you do
1: um it depends on what it it, it depends on what it's about um so I've had plenty of those moments, um, plenty of those moments over time. I mean, right, you know, right back to when I was promoted to general manager, I didn't see myself as a leader. I saw myself as a good number two. Um, and so I just, um, in that situation, I had a lot of people around me who I had faith in, who I believed in. And if I decided that if they saw me um, that way, then maybe I should start seeing myself the way that they see me. Um, so certainly, um, you know, getting the most influential woman, you know, winning all those awards last year, um, it took me—it it took me by surprise. It humbled me. But you also have to look at yourself, the way other people see you, and you do have, um, yeah, that—that that kind of changes it. I still don't—I I was still surprised to see myself on that, you know, top hundred most influential people in um in New South Wales that still shocks me to be frank um but I think just being open to seeing yourself how other people see you.
0: So looking back on your career now what would you I mean we've talked about some of the accolades and some of your achievements but what are you most proudest of?
1: I'm, I'm proud of a lot actually um and typically when you um when you think of the things that you're most proud of they're the things that have been the hardest the things that you've worked the hardest to achieve and so I'm really proud of the fact that I, w- um, I went back to uni and did my MBA while I was working full-time. Um, I'm really proud of the fact that I am president of REI and, and have been asked to stay for a second term. That really meant a lot to me That the board, um, that the board had enough faith in me Um, and I'm proud that I've been able to spend 25 years working at such an incredible organisation like Lang & Simmons.
0: Love it. So final piece of advice for agents, agencies and business owners that are out there listening and, you know, are wanting to affect some kind of change um, into their business right now, whether it be systems and structures, whether it be, you know, mindsets or, you know, really um, capitalising on those opportunities out in the marketplace, what would you tell them?
1: Um, I would tell them first to get clear on what it is that you want to achieve, exactly what is it that you you want to do, when do you want to do it by, what are the resources that you need, and then set aside some time, like make meetings with yourself, set aside some time to actually do whatever it is that you need to do, whether it is make calls, whether it is do research, whether it is learn new skills, whether it's to to, do a better job of um, your presentations or your systems, there's so much opportunity to do things right now but you need to be clear on what it is that you want to do and then just make it happen and make just like that closer. make it happen
0: <laughs> love it love it so Liam for those who have, who have enjoyed today who want to continue following your journey where sure will on. they find you on on social media
1: um oh like everybody i'm everywhere um on instagram i am uh the leanne pilkington uh facebook leanne pilkington and yes linkedin twitter all the same i'm easy to find
0: Wonderful. Leanne, thank you so much for being so open and honest with us today for talking about, you know, um, all the adversity, overcoming changes and challenges. It's been wonderful to have you a part of the program.
1: Thanks so much, I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Really powerful message coming out of today's episode, all around resilience, adaptation, change, innovation, and how together as an industry, we need to come together to not only be more professional, but how we can collaborate to show consumers and buyers and sellers that we really do want to give them a more exceptional experience. I would also like to thank my amazing series sponsor, List Ready. Now, these guys were all on board when I told them that I wanted to give free and amazing content to agents all around Australasia, so thank you for making this happen. I also wanted to talk about next week's episode because it's a really goodie and in fact it's one that I get asked a lot about. It's all around how you can grow your business and how you can implement an EBU or an effective business unit. So I am going to be taking you through each step of the way and what you need to implement so that you get it right the very, very first time. And in a fortnight, I'll be talking to the one, the only, Craig Lee from McGraw-Wilston. Now, Craig is one of my one-on-one coaching clients, and it's been amazing to see how he has embraced his authenticity, increased his revenue, built his own celebrity profile, and how it has positively impacted his business and his agency. Make sure you tune into this one because it's a really good one. But look, if you do wanna build your best life and if you do truly wanna harness your real estate career by implementing tried and tested systems and structures, by leveraging your listings and results, by building your own celebrity profile, by building your own team and, and agencies, and of course, writing more profit whilst working less, then be sure you do tune in and subscribe to this podcast series so you get notified every single Tuesday when those episodes go live. And don't forget, I'm giving away a freebie as part of this podcast series. It is, of course, part of that Build Your Best Life coaching program. Now, this is a quarterly program that comes with webinars, coaching forums, and the success manual. It is quarterly and has templates that are quarterly, weekly, monthly, and daily. This will change and level up how you work. In fact, it will revolutionize your business. But look, if you want that freebie, you need to head to sherrystorecom forward slash level up and you can download it and you can start goal setting today. Now, if you want any of the transcripts or any of the information um, on this particular podcast, you need to head to sherrystorecom forward slash the number eight. Thank you so much for tuning in.